0: Do you get it? Because it's like, it's a dark and scary web, this guy's weaving, but it's also web like the worldwide. So it's like his web. It's like the stalker's oh, yeah. web, like his corner of the internet, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Here we go. I just,
0: just in case anyone missed that, just, I just want to really hit that home. God, I hate him. Hate him, hate him,
2: hate him. <laughs>
1: Julian Julia Hi, Patrick Hines. Oh, my God, you guys. It's 2022. Here we are. Oh, that's right. I almost forgot. Is that weird? It's, been... it's our first record of the year, you guys. We're back to remote. It's like it's 2020 all over again. 2020 T-O-O. That's my favorite meme that's going around. Look at
0: that. You would have said what? You write a soccer's web, too? Wow.
1: You guys, if you want more, Julian to me, join us on the Patreon. We just finished up Lula Rich. Oh, my Lord. The Lula Rich of it all, girl.
0: Uh, we are Now we're in the thick of it with Relentless. Oh, yeah. to Christina. Oh my god, the Relentless is all about this
1: missing woman, but is she actually missing or is she like just like missing right there? <laughs> Asterisk question mark. She's the most
0: spotted missing person I've ever not seen in my life.
1: But it's also where you can find her episode by episode coverage of the Jinx and Making a Murderer and what are the other ones that's been so oh, long? Uh, the Gacy
0: thing, uh-huh. Night Stalker, The Vow, Don't F with Cats,
1: Tiger King, the Lacey Peterson one where people think that Scott might be innocent, not me. I'm just saying that's what they think in this documentary. The one about the Menendez murders, where yes. I have a crush on Eric. Right. <laughs> Right. Okay, it's all right. They deserve their there. time.
0: Let them out their, their parents were assholes.
1: <laughs> you can also get ad-free versions of these episodes. Our after parties. Sometimes we send you some stuff in the mail. You guys, for the twenty dollars tier, we sent out our twenty twenty-two calendar, and it is all the rage right now. If I'm being honest,
0: it's pretty great. I love it. I, it's an honor that it even exists. So I'm thrilled about it.
1: Never too late to upgrade. If you upgrade to the twenty dollars level, we'll send you a calendar no matter what month it is. There <laughs> so you it's go. <laughs>
0: I was going to say, I missed that in the meeting, but I'm down for it. You
1: guys, one more thing. Join our Facebook group. It's the True Crime Obsessed podcast discussion group. We want you to meet our mod, Sasha. She's our Facebook group community manager. She runs all of our Facebook groups on the network. She's amazing. If you have any questions, you go to her. But the point is, it's just a fun place to meet your best friends. And it's highly moderated, so it never gets crazy.
0: Yeah, Sasha's the best. Sometimes they host viewing parties with documentaries we cover, we're about to cover. Sasha (laughs) knows.
1: What are we talking about today? You are fired up.
0: Okay, we are talking about unraveled
2: stalker's web. What the fuck? He was sending me emails to make it clear that he knew where I lived. Threatening to murder my family. My name is Alexis Linkletter.
3: And I'm Billy Jensen. We've been treading on the heels of one of the most elusive and dangerous online predators either of us has ever seen.
4: Jason Christopher Hughes possesses a degree of sophistication that most people can't understand.
3: The only thing more surprising than the number of names this guy was using.
4: Ray Schmuckle.
3: Marsupial and Lewis. Were the number of victims he had, up to 50 different men and women. He
5: puts you on this list and you are to be erased. He needs to wipe you from the world.
6: He is one of the most dangerous people I've ever had to investigate. It just wasn't a crime to stalk somebody over the internet. No one really took him seriously. It's just crazy that someone can say, I'm going to do these horrible things. You just have to sit there and wait until they actually do what they say. Girl, before we even
1: start in like the coming up on, we're in Austin, Texas. We meet this badass tatted up lady and she's in a real comfy leather chair. I like the way she's decorated her living room.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she's awesome. She's nameless right now. And it's just like the cold open. She's just like, there I
2: was. It was 2015. In June of 2015, I was at work, just doing my job. My desk phone rang. It was security. They were alerting me that the FBI were in the office asking to speak to me. Once I figured out what's going on, I was like, come on in. Let me tell you the story. The FBI is here to speak to you.
0: And she goes, What took you so long? Fellas, I do I have a story for you? And I'm like, What is happening?
1: Then the cold open ends, and we are just with Billy and Alexis. La 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 la. 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 Billy, and Ooh, yes, Billy, Billy and Alexis. No, yes, Billy and Alexis.
0: There you go. Sorry. William
1: Elizabeth is rocking that t-shirt looking very sexy. Alexis is just, can we talk about how gorgeous and perfect Alexis is for five seconds?
0: Yeah, and like 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds, however long it takes. Alexis looks like a million smackers (laughs) as always. And she has some moments in here where I'm like, thank god there's a woman around to explain all this (laughs) to the men who just don't understand oh but Billy's so handsome Uh... he's very handsome and I'm glad Billy just like lets Alexis have the floor because she knows what she's talking about here (laughs) but before we even meet Billy and Alexis there's this woman who we meet who's telling the story where the FBI showed up and she's like fucking finally she tells them that there's this guy who's been relentlessly and viciously stalking her for 21 years and she goes for example here's a poem he sent me in 2014 oh my god how to make your own pet owl and I don't even want to Hear it, but it's really about like brutally torturing and dismembering somebody and also keeping them alive. It's just like this really fucked up quote poem. I know I don't get poetry, but this is not poetry. Stop it. And also, Alexis says right at the top that she has been targeted before online by uh-huh. a complete stranger. And she goes, It was scary, but I was lucky because eventually he decided to leave me alone. And sometimes this doesn't happen. And that's why we're here. Welcome to <laughs> Unraveled the stalker's Web.
3: We've been treading on the heels of one of the most elusive and dangerous online predators either of us has ever seen.
4: For decades, he waged a relentless campaign of terror against an untold number of victims, stretching further than we ever thought possible. We set out to unravel the mystery of who this psychological terrorist could be and how he's been able to turn dozens of lives upside down by the damage he's caused.
0: We set out to uh, uh, unravel the mystery of who this person is. <laughs> I see you, Alexis, and you look great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh. a lot of people aren't going to speak out against this guy because they're understandably terrified of him. And if you're sitting there in your car or in your kitchen or whatever thinking, oh, come on, it's just some online creep. No, you no. are wrong. I love you, but you stand there in your wrongness and be wrong and get used to it, <laughs> as Jed Bartlett says. <laughs>
1: I was worried about this. Like, he's going to maybe listen to this episode. Oh,
0: I have words for him, and I fucking hope he hears me. <laughs> you're a loser. Come for me, I dare you. So, but three people watch Billy and Alexis are going to be knocking on, on my door in the middle of the day saying, can we talk to you for this documentary about how you're being stalked?
1: If a webpage about Julian Pensavale pops up about her being a pedophile, don't believe it. It's not true. It's just this guy.
0: Like, please don't believe it, obviously. <laughs> so a lot of people understandably won't speak out about this guy because they're terrified, as they should be. But three people do sit down with Billy and Alexis.
1: So we start with Vanessa. She's also tatted up and fabulous.
0: Can I just paint this picture, please? (laughs) Please. I have 42 pages of notes. So (laughs) we're in Dallas, Texas. Vanessa is like, if I were telling the story to a complete stranger, I might be like, once upon a time.
7: When the internet wasn't on Wi-Fi yet and we just moved past dialing into a modem, it was still the wild, wild west. And a cowboy with a black hat rode into town. And law enforcement just didn't know what to do with him.
0: And there was a cowboy with, like, a black hat, and he rode into town. And the sheriffs didn't listen to us. And it was high noon at the Gem Saloon. <laughs> and we cut to Billy, in his face. He's just saying, we're not going to do this analogy the whole time, right? Like, you're eventually well, going to...
1: because Alexis shut it right the... Alexis, like, no time for editorializing, Vanessa. It was the early 2000s. What did the world look like, girl? <laughs> like,
0: let's get out of the wild, wild west and head straight to the early 2000s. But... Understand because so many people were like, grow up, you weirdos. This guy isn't scary. So Uh she really is trying to paint an important picture and give us some important context. But Billy's face. We're not going to do this (laughs) Wild West thing for an hour, right?
1: So, Vanessa tells us that at the time she meets this guy, she was living in Dallas. She was going to college for studio art, whatever that means. And she said, like, she would do this thing where she would go online and, like, look at people's live journals because it was free. And I was like, I've heard of live journal, but I don't know anything about it. Is it because I'm too old or too young?
0: Don't get mad at me, but old. Okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Vanessa describes it as like, it was like Facebook or MySpace before either one where you could sort of interface and interact with people on the internet.
0: Yeah, so it was an online journal. It could either be public or private. And even though if it was public and you, just the people on your friends list could read it or whatever, it felt really intimate, but it was still very public because a uh-huh. lot of the people who were on your friends list, it was rare if you knew them in real life kind of thing.
1: So Because they're saying like, that's kind of the appeal of the internet back then. And I, I do remember this about the early internet was like, I can meet people from Germany I can meet people from all over the fucking world. And you, and never you could act- be your
0: best self. You could be whoever you wanted. On Use the, a you know, fake before, name. Yeah. It was before the keyboard warriors came around and fucked it all up. But it was a very freeing time. Wait, what are the keyboard warriors? Those are people who just like those assholes in the comment section and fucking trolls. Uh, like, you know. Oh, yeah.
4: One of those individuals she chose to let in went by the online handle, anti Antisense.
7: Somebody with anti sense was a handle had made a comment, and I responded, ha-ha, because ha, I thought it was funny. And the guy friended me, so then he starts messaging me. It started out more with the books, you know, like, hey, I've got uh, 300 esoteric texts on CDs. Can I mail that to you? I didn't really think anything of it. She's saying one of the people she meets online only goes by the handle
1: anti-sense. And he friends her and they start talking about books. I'm like, whatever those are.
0: And he like- what well, he to- calls them esoteric texts, which is maybe the most pretentious yes. thing I've ever heard. Like, what? So he like, he wants to send her these books because he has them all on CDs because this was the yeah. early phase of the internet and like everyone, everything was on a CD. Right. So she gave the stranger her address. And
1: I was like, no, this was back before. Before we knew not to do that because five, six, seven, eight—he's sending her porn, <laughs> like right,
0: like girl. And Vanessa's like, to be clear, didn't ask for nor was I no. interested in it. Just I, the, I, I signed up for esoteric texts, okay. <laughs> Because it was porn of himself. Well, I was gonna say it's not just audacity to send porn, just immediately porn of himself and other people. So Billy and Alexa saw these photos and they tell us on screen text they're not gonna show us. It's way yeah. too fucking graphic. No. And Vanessa asks him, You have to stop. She doesn't just not answer. She says, I am not interested. I do not want this. You need to stop sending me this shit. And he refuses.
1: She keeps up a communication with him because he's like actively trying to get her to get rid of her cats because he's afraid that when they move in together, the cats are going to kill us, parakeets. (laughs) What? Vanessa and I are equally confused, by the
0: way. And she's like, I'm sorry, what? Like, she's uh, like a grizzly bear bitch, what? Because after you said porn, you're not politely asking, wait, what? No,
1: but wait, you just called grizzly man grizzly bear, which is my favorite thing you've ever
0: done. But I'm right. Find the lie. I'm (laughs) right. It really is about grizzly bears. The pun was that he was a man, not a bear.
1: Can you give us your impression of Werner Herzog deciding if they should name it grizzly bear or grizzly man
0: (laughs) well he wants to be a bear but he's not he's a man so we'll just call him grizzly man but he wants to be a bear so badly he does he want to be with the bears
7: was there a catalyst to you finally being like i'm blocking this person yes out of nowhere it's like I really want to find someone to have a threesome with me. We're going to make a spiritual parakeet. And I'm just like, I would not like that at all very much. Please go away.
0: And Vanessa's like, well, Alexis, I guess it was the spiritual parakeet thing if I had to (laughs) pick one thing. And I'm like, the what? (laughs) The The spiritual parakeet threesome thing? So, what he wanted (laughs) was that there would be a threesome. No animals are going to be injured in this, just so you know. Because, of course, I was like, God damn it. But he Uh was like the main part of the threesome. And then Vanessa would be the left wing of the spiritual parakeet. And then Uh. some other unknown poor soul would be the other wing of the spiritual parakeet. And Vanessa's like, I am not injured.
1: Vanessa says to Billy, "She's like, I said to him, I would not like that at all, very much. Please, thank you, go away." (laughs) (laughs) And I said, "Vanessa's got a real Liz Lemon quality about her. I know you don't know what that means, but she's got a real Liz Lemon quality." Think
0: I was born yesterday. (laughs) Why do you think I don't know who the fuck Liz Lemon is? No, I know
1: that you know who she is. But you are like a 30 Rock person. That's okay.
0: Oh, Jesus. But um, <laughs> Vanessa says, look, he went from standard internet creepy to super creepy. And I'm like, uh-huh. funny how times have changed. Because now creepy on the internet just is super creepy. It's just I mean, super creepy. Just, there, there are no levels anymore.
1: No. And she says, the thing about blocking this guy was that he had 300 other accounts. So you couldn't block him. Like, he was just all over. Like, he games the system. He knew. That like he could just like bother you for the rest of your fucking life the way I'm gonna do to you. <laughs> Great,
0: just cool it with the parakeet stuff in the esoteric. Texts, okay, I didn't I didn't want to have to bring it up here in front of everybody, but I've asked you repeatedly. So now we're at an undisclosed location in Michigan and we meet Travis. Oh my God,
1: I know. I want to say right up front, I fucking love Travis. I thought he was going to be a gay. I don't think he is, but he's got rainbow hair and I think he's so cute and he's nervous as fucking hell.
0: This is going to sound trite and I don't mean it. They're all super fucking brave for doing this and going on camera and being so honest about their stories. And Travis is being
1: interviewed by Billy via like computer because Travis does not want even Billy to know where he fucking lives. By the way, Billy, let me give you the address to my house.
0: (laughs) Hi,
1: Billy.
3: <laughs> just like Vanessa, Travis's story begins over 20 years ago. We spoke through video chat because Travis prefers not to disclose where he's living. Why don't you tell me when you started getting into computers, that kind of thing?
5: Well, the first, like, 10 years of my life, I got the crap bullied out of me. But I was just weird and different. I got into the computers and suddenly it was, it was magical. Because here's all these people who kind of in a similar situation. And we all are really drawn to computers That's when I kind of really woke up socially.
0: Travis explains he was bullied a lot as a kid. He was the uh-huh. weird kid. He was different. He got into computers and he says it was magical because that's where he woke up socially, like what we were saying before, because he wasn't bullied and he felt safe behind the computer. Because then he meets this guy, Jason. And just to make it clear, Jason is anti-sense. Anti-sense is Jason.
1: Can we also make it clear to knock it off with the fucking bullying? Enough of the bullying. Just let so people Jesus be the, who Christ. the fuck they are. Jesus. How
0: many times do I have to say it? It's so stupid. Like, what? A, you're such a loser. If you're like bullying someone, grow up. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
5: Describe how you first met Jason. Like, how old were you? I would have been, like, 20, 21 years old. Living in Seattle. And I believe I met him at a cafe on the Ave, as it's called, uh, University Boulevard. You know, he'd sit out there every day and kind of hold court. It was kind of nice to have someone to sort of look up to. And uh, I looked up to Jason, right? He was in a way sort of a mentor to me.
1: Travis is saying he was 20 or 21 and living in Seattle when he met this Jason guy. And this Jason guy has like a big personality and he would like hold court. Ugh. And Travis, I know.
0: Ugh. Can you imagine? Like, I'd be like, can we go somewhere shop? else? That fucking asshole is like reading his esoteric texts I to everyone who walked by. Shut We're up. Trying to have her fucking morning latte, Jason. It's raining in Seattle. It's a gorgeous fucking day. It's 40 and raining. <laughs>
1: Why are you going to ruin it? But like Travis really looks up to him. He admires him like a fucking mentor.
0: Because Jason was into computer stuff and Travis was into computer stuff and so Uh Travis found someone who was kind of like, oh, I can maybe have confidence one day. He just, you know, he, he, he was under the spell a little bit.
1: And we learned that like the thing about Jason's life was that he like lived in his room. He did drugs all the time. He watched movies and he was scamming on the internet. I went, fun! But like Travis is really like enamored of this. He thinks it's all very cool.
0: Right. And Billy's like, Cool. Can we get to the falling out incident? Or... Right. And Jason, we learned
1: that Jason... I only paid for the 45-minute Zoom, Travis. I don't have all day. Right, like there's a world in which
0: William Elizabeth Smith doesn't have the the proist pro version of Zoom. He's like paying by the minute or whatever. So like, William, Elizabeth, please. <laughs> This is where we learned that this asshole Jason had not one, but two girlfriends. And yes. Travis is like, his relationships were always complicated. I'm like, relationships, right. plural? <laughs> I know. I and know. he's got two girls at a
1: time? Like, what? Why do women fall for men like this? Why do guys fall for guys like this? I don't get it. But Jason's like, calls Travis and he's like, hey, bro, uh, I'm having a tough time with the ladies at my house. Could you come over and, like, straighten us all out?
0: Travis is 20. Jason is 40. 40 so he wants Travis to mediate
5: and I kind of like sat everybody down and I was talking to everybody and things seemed to be somewhat more relaxed by the time you know an hour had passed or whatever and then I was like okay well you know I kind of want to go and he kind of pulled me aside and he said hey um you know I don't know what the situation is gonna if it's gonna stay stable here can you like take this bag you know, it's, can you take my stash and like babysit my stash.
1: And then Travis wants to leave and Jason is like, sure, before you go though, could you take this big duffel bag full of my drugs with you? Hey, and Travis buddy, is like, can you
2: take these I drugs? Know. Just <laughs> real
0: quick. What? I gotta,
1: un- I gotta unload this meth because I'm afraid my girlfriends are gonna steal it, is basically what he says.
0: Yeah, thanks for calming down my two probably underage and also very no. hysterical girlfriends. <laughs> like, shut up.
2: I
1: know, and Travis is like, girl, I gotta take the city bus back to my house. I can't do that. And then he says a few Two weeks later, just because of that, I realized I was on Jason's to erase list.
0: Oh, he named it. That's (laughs) normal. Jason? And Travis explains, okay, once you're on that list, you're never going back. You've betrayed yeah. this Jason person and he, quote, needs to wipe you from the world and he cannot allow you to exist. Sounds
1: fun. You know, the thing about it, and we'll get into this more later, it's too easy for him to do that. Why is somebody able to do that? Why is it so fucking easy and unregulated to ruin somebody's life on the internet?
0: Right, like, why are we now going to Austin, Texas to meet Rachel? Why is there right. someone <laughs> else to meet here? Right,
4: totally. 20 years ago, Rachel was starting over after her first marriage ended in divorce. She vividly recalls her first encounter with Jason.
2: In the summer of 2001, I started communicating with a user on LiveJournal named Chris. And I told him more about my personal situation and he told me more about his personal situation. You know, and then things just became more intimate. So Rachel is the woman
0: who told us the story at the top of the episode with the fucking owl poem. And so she tells us how she met this guy, right? And it's all the same guy. I just want to make sure that that's clear because he has different names. And it starts to get like a little personal and she's kind of into it because she was like, look, I was in a shitty relationship. I'm not anymore. This is kind of fun. It feels safe because there's distance. So she's into it. And God bless her for it, you know?
1: And Chris convinces her to come up to Austin for a weekend. So she decides to go. And I was like, good for you, Rachel. You get on with your life.
0: Well, right. But what happens is this guy is like, you know what? I'm going to offer to pay for some of the ticket. And she's like, okay, cool. So he sends her an actual check in the mail. Children, there used to be things that we would write. It was like money. It was currency. But Uh we would write the amount of the money on it. And then someone would cash it. I barely know what a check is. So... But she sees on the check, like she is talking to this guy named Chris and she sees that his name is Jason Christopher Hughes. And she's like, that's weird. Like we've been really personal and intimate. It's weird that he didn't tell me his first name was actually Jason. But you know, sometimes people go by their middle names. That's eh, probably nothing.
1: We also see a picture of this piece of shit and I just went, ew. Uh. I, he
0: is like, what a loser. I don't like I know. <laughs> shaming people for what they look like, but this guy is fucking ugly from within and it's coming out. So the day of your Seattle trip finally
2: arrives, what exactly is it that you're feeling? I was just super excited to have this like sexy weekend. I was super excited to like hang out with someone who I had made a connection with, you know, and just traveling by myself, you know, newly separated. There was the potential for a really fun adventure.
1: So she gets to Seattle and she says she's excited for a sexy weekend. And I said, I love Rachel. I am Rachel. I'd fly across the country for some sexy time if I had just gotten a divorce.
0: And she's like, I get the sense that her marriage was really bad and she gets to have an adventure and like, go forth and live your life, Rachel. And she
1: says within one hour of meeting him, they were at his place having sex. And I said, again, I love Rachel. I am Rachel.
0: (laughs) And she's like, it was a sex-filled weekend. That was the plan. That's what I'm doing. Here we are. But then, because this guy is a fucking nightmare, out comes the camera suddenly there's
2: a camera and at some point during that weekend a camera comes out and he takes some photos of me just a num, you know a couple of quick um quick snaps i don't recall if he asked me if that was okay but i also did not object at that time he didn't
0: ask me necessarily to take the photos but I also didn't object like it was a sexy weekend I was sort of feeling like it just kind of happened it just happened
1: and she does a lot of like self blaming here where she's like I didn't say no and I brought this on myself Rachel you didn't girl we are with you we love you you but she's saying like also right away he's like saying that he loves her and he wants her to be in love with him too
0: and get married and get married (laughs) let's embark on a life together she's like I'm embarking on one thing it's a sexy weekend and then I'm going home
1: like as the weekend's coming to a close she's very creeped out by this. Guy. She did not want to be there. He's really like pushing this conversation about them like being romantic. And she's like, We were in his room in the final night and like he's really hammering that home. And I'm like, Mm hmm, mm hmm, like slowly gathering my things and putting them into a bag. And then he like goes to the bathroom and she runs for her fucking life.
0: Like a thief in the middle of the night, she just (laughs) leaves. She grabs her stuff and bails.
1: And by the way, everyone do that. If you're ever in a situation where you are like, you don't have to be nice, just get yourself out of this fucking not good situation. Go, leave.
0: The thing that's so mad is that this documentary is a basically a perfect example of why women feel like they can't do that because this is what happens to these people when they say fucking no to this guy because Rachel is thinking what's the worst that can happen it'll be awkward online then we'll probably never speak to each other online like she just wants to get home she thinks that she's leaving this all in Seattle and no because we're 15 minutes into this thing so no
1: and she gets home and like she says he tries to contact her every which way via the phone via instant message via email she's like I sent him one message that said, please don't contact me again. I am not interested in speaking to you ever again. And she thought that would be the end of it. Because
2: it should have been. It (laughs) It should have been. It's so clear.
1: Billy and Alexis are sitting in her living room, though. So (laughs) that's not the end
2: of it. (laughs) Right after I sent him the email, people at work started coming up to me, my boss, and saying, hey, I kind of need to talk to you. Like, I got a weird email. He took the photos that he took of me in Seattle, and he sent them to everyone to my friends to my co-workers and to my boss
0: hey uh can we just talk to you real quick we got this (laughs) super weird email this fucking piece of shit sent the naked photos of rachel to everyone she knows, her friends, her co-workers, her boss, right? So she is feeling helpless, humiliated, embarrassed. She feels robbed of her privacy. What did he think that she was going to be like, you know what? I do love you. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for my doing God. that. <laughs> love of my life. Then, because he didn't get a response out of her or the response he wanted, he sends the photos to her father on Christmas Eve.
1: Saying these, like, vile things. Like, this is where Rachel says, I felt like my life was ruined. It was completely my fault. This was a bed I made. I'm like, no, Rachel you'll know girl it should go without saying that like you're the victim here
0: and then she gets fired because of this
1: and she's convinced it's her fault
0: because now we're back with travis so then out of nowhere we hear william elizabeth jensen and he (laughs) says
3: imagine logging onto social media and seeing a picture of yourself with the caption pedophile travis says jason would actually create whole websites to defame his victims this way And that after falling out of Jason's good graces, he became the next target. This is what I was saying before. Like,
1: this guy, Jason, would go online and create entire websites about, like, men he didn't like being pedophiles. That happened to Travis. And Travis is explaining, rather than, like, calling the police or, or doing anything to get some help, he's calling Jason trying to get back into his good graces. Because he's like, there's nothing could be done about this. Like, Jason had all the power. And the thing that's crazy about this Jason guy is he wasn't just doing it to women. Like, the fact that Travis was a victim, he had male victims, like, it makes this unique. And so Billy asks Travis about that Owl poem. Have you read the
5: owl poem? Oh, the owl poem. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he wrote that or if he found that or what, but that thing is terrifying. Uh, yeah, I don't like the owl poem at all.
3: What do you think uh, it's about, and and how does it fit within his narrative?
5: Uh, sorry, man. I'm going to take a break here in a minute. I'm. I, I understand. Take your time. This is dredging a bunch of up, and I'm kind of like, my anxiety level is through the roof right now. So. Literally, Travis
1: has to stop. He like says to Billy, girl, this was dredging up a lot of shit, my anxiety. And you can see he's sweating, he's breathing hard, and he's like, got to take a break. Like This guy, Jason, fucking ruined these people's lives.
0: So we give Travis a break. Thank you, William Elizabeth. And now yeah. we go back to Vanessa. <laughs> Vanessa's the one, uh, he was sending her the esoteric texts and the unwanted porn, right? Uh-huh. And she had actually never met Jason in person. Yeah. So she feels, I guess, a little more like, oh, I'm just going to tell this guy to fuck off, right? Like, uh-huh. I've never met him. What does it matter?
1: I'd like to see some guy try to pull this shit with you on the internet. Fucking please. Please.
0: (laughs) So. Vanessa's like, fuck you. I don't want to be friends. And also, P.S. Please stop sending me porn of yourself. Like, how many times do I have to ask? Oh
1: my God.
0: And so, Vanessa, as this is happening, and Vanessa's like still on Live Journal, she's like, wait a second. She's watching Jason bully people online in the comments section of everyone's Live Journal.
1: And because Vanessa's just such a fucking badass, she's me again. She says out loud, I just can't abide a bully. Doing something to me was one thing, but watching him bully other people, I can't stand for that. I'm the same way. So, she says she would reach out to people that she saw him in interacting with on LiveJournal and be like, you don't want to mess with this guy. Just so you know, stay away from him. He's bad fucking news. And of course, in two seconds, he gets wind of it and decides he's got to ruin Vanessa's life.
0: Again, I'm not taking anything away from these people because what he did is very scary and traumatic and completely horrifying. But this guy, and I hope you fucking hear me, you're a fucking loser. Like, get a life. Yeah. Like, okay, so Vanessa doesn't want anything to do with you. Go prey on somebody else in the Uh most
1: cynical way. Like, just let her go. It's also so crazy to hear Vanessa being like, and then I could never get back on Yahoo Messenger ever again he ruined it for me and I was like what is Yahoo Messenger?
0: I know Vanessa I, know. I hate that he took it away from her even though I don't know what it I, is I know.
1: she seemed to really like being on Yahoo Messenger
0: I think at that point when you don't know these people in real life and like that's where all of her friends were how does she get any contact information from them you know what I mean yeah. it's like not yeah. being able to go to Flaming Saddles anymore don't you threaten me with not ever going to
1: Flaming Saddles I'm just again. saying it's the same thing <laughs> one night I went to Flaming Saddles with my friend Chris got recognized Twice. Two people. Two people.
0: I think you've told that story at least twice on the pod. You
1: guys, I am a fan of being recognized in
0: public. I thought you were going to say, I'm a fan of myself, which you are. And you should be. Everyone should be fans of ourselves. I'm a a good person. I think you're a great. What am I saying? I said you should be. I think it's inspirational. So Vanessa is working as a legal secretary and Jason, this piece of shit, starts emailing all of the lawyers she works with saying that she's mentally unstable.
4: Jason would also pose as Vanessa on the websites of various hate groups, leaving despicable comments in her name.
7: There was a point where he was trying to actively make me look like a white supremacist. I did have my boss sit me down and he's like, well, what are we going to do to stop him? And I'm like, well, what can I do to stop him? And he's just like, I don't know, but you have to fix this or you're going to be in trouble.
1: So this is insane, right? So he would also pose as her on like hate websites and pretend like trying to make it look like she was a white supremacist. supremacist? Nazi. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> and so her bosses pull her aside. She's like, I'm not a Nazi. Like, I swear to God, it's not me. <laughs> and the bosses are so annoyed. They're lawyers. These lawyers that she works for offers her no help. They offer her no legal guidance.
0: And I agree. Like, are you not an office full of lawyers? Am I
1: insane? I'm like, why does nobody care about protecting your fucking people? If somebody came to me and said, look, I'm in this really weird hostage situation where they got my kid and they're going to kill him unless somebody makes a podcast in the next three minutes, I'd sit down and make the podcast.
0: Yes. You wouldn't even edit the first episode. Hi, episode zero. <laughs> this is just, this is an emergency. So we're just we're putting just... it out there and this counts as an <laughs> app, right? You do what you have to do.
1: Do you know how popular, that would be the most popular podcast on Spotify and iTunes. <laughs> Can you
0: imagine? Just one Hi. frantic episode zero. <laughs> Not even a trailer, just like, oh, my God, we got to get something out. Totally.
1: I'm just saying, if I was a lawyer and my friend was in legal trouble, I would help them. That's all.
0: You also can't say what they said to Vanessa, which is fix it or you're going to be in trouble. And then when she doesn't fix it, they fire her. So Uh that can't be legal, lawyers. And he also made it clear to Vanessa that he knew exactly where she lived because then there were threats on threats on threats.
7: Within a couple of months of moving, I would always hear out of him about how he knows where I am. the second we started to relax there he was again and then all of a sudden it was just a torrent of crap
3: jason's attacks then became more terrifying
7: (laughs) the ones where he actually threatens to hurt me were always really scary i didn't feel like he was going to home invade it always felt like it was going to be like he'd shoot me going to my car or something i mean if somebody really wants to hurt you what can you do
1: Vanessa's moving all over the country like every year to escape him. She is actively going into hiding. She says that at one point and she can't get away from him.
0: And it's interesting the way she's sort of come to terms with this in her own way because as she's telling the story now having worked through it she goes I always felt like he'd shoot me going to my car he wouldn't like home invade and the way she says that is so telling to how she lived for so many years because she says look if someone really wants to get you and kill you there's nothing you could do about it so like he will kill me if he wanted to and could that chilled me
1: to the core when she said that out loud the way she says what are you going to do if somebody wants to hurt you like they're going to do it like that is such a terrifying concept and that is the terror he wants these people to live with.
0: Like, constantly. That's why the minute she thinks she has a little bit of breathing room, he comes back.
3: Vanessa wasn't the only one worried by what seemed to be a dangerous escalation in Jason's threats.
5: He emailed me some things a couple of times that let me know that he was still he was uh, still watching me. He referred to darkness a lot and shadows a lot. That was kind of like his theme with me is, you know, because I, I told him once that I was afraid of the dark. You know, and he kind of lashed onto that.
1: I told him once that I was afraid of the dark and he latched onto that. He would contact me all the time just to let me know he was still watching. And Travis is telling us, like, look, I know this guy beat up people with baseball bats before I know he's tased people and pepper spray people. And then he's like, actually, I don't know what's true anymore. <laughs> right. Or did he? Because I know. he told
0: you this, Jason. Like, right. I don't
1: know. He's like, I have to believe that it's true if he told me like, I live with this kind of fear in my life all the time.
0: Then we get to Rachel. She has a very similar story. Like the stories are very personal, but they're also very similar.
4: Well, Rachel is always on edge wondering when and how Jason will strike next there is a bright spot in her life when she meets and falls in love with a man named Chris
2: so when I met Chris and started dating Chris I did tell him about Jason Christopher Hughes I absolutely warned him there's always a tension of just waiting for it for it to start again
0: so Rachel finally
2: meets the love of her life. She meets this
0: guy Chris. Can we tell on
1: Chris for five seconds? He's so hot and he's so nice. And we meet him eventually, and he's he is exactly what men in Austin look like. He is
0: exactly one hundred percent. They, like. they yeah. are, and I, I I'm gonna use the, I'm gonna use this word with love for Rachel and Chris. They're hipsters. They're like yes. total yep. hipsters. they They had a very cool wedding with probably like an old record player and some vinyls. Like they everything
1: are cool. like all the drinks were in mason jars, but that was back when it was still cool to do that. Before it became Not cool You know what I mean Totally They probably actually Invented it Chris was like Hey you know what I got a bunch of Mason jars I think we should Make drinks out of that It was his idea He invented that idea
0: And you know what Chris Thank you so much Because Rachel and Chris Are amazing (laughs) So they're super in love They decide to start a family And Rachel starts A fertility blog because She wants to talk About her journey And the challenges That came with it Jason this piece of shit Of course found it And was awful I
1: love that Rachel knows That the one place Where she can be like Stalked and harassed And nobody can do Anything about it Is the internet And that's also the only place where she can make her blog, and she fucking does it anyway because she's living her yep. fucking life. I
3: yeah. fucking love her. Rachel's husband, Chris, was especially concerned
5: about stopping Jason. It was very clear that this guy was just super hostile and really dangerous. He was threatening my family, and I really just
3: wanted to kill him. What was going through your heads? Like, what was what was playing in your mind about
4: confronting him? Uh, actually, no, I did not want to confront him. I wanted to assassinate him.
1: I just want him dead I want to assassinate him he says I don't even yes. want him to see me I just want him to be fucking dead and he's like and you know what bitch I come from the IT world too girl I got one of those guys who knows how to find people that don't want to be found and like he goes to that guy and that guy's like don't do that you got a lot to lose and like that's the thing that these people have to remember this guy Jason is such a fucking loser and yeah. these people all have these great lives like they do have a lot to lose
0: they do And hey Chris, Jason and Chris... you're a fucking loser girl loser, you're a loser. Oh, I can't wait for the website about us remember Remember when the white supremacists in Leith had a website about us, how'd that go for them? Snooze Fest. So, Chris also makes a really important point. Am I seriously just supposed to deal with these threats until this Jason guy actually follows through with them? Like, why can't Chris do anything? until Jason does. And that's what's really scary. And that's fucking crazy. That should not be the case. Why can't
1: just the mere act of trying to create terror in somebody's mind, that should be a crime. That should be a crime.
0: I agree. But also, Vanessa agrees with us too, because she calls the cops. And while she's with this police officer who is a woman, I know. Jason starts threatening her. And she's like, see, girl? Like, like look. This in is all real time. This. And, he's, and she's like, it's insistent. It's constant. Look at this guy. Yeah. Like, he's fucking crazy. And they're like, just go outside, you hysterical woman. Your arms are so weak. Your brain is so small. Like, get over it.
3: Triggered by the widespread attacks and frustrated by the lack of help from law enforcement, Vanessa decided to take things into her own hands. You started a blog, basically. Yeah. 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 And what was the blog's name?
7: Surviving Jason. To try to find people that was Surviving Jason. That's when Vanessa learned
4: she wasn't even close to alone.
0: And so Billy goes... Vanessa decides to take things into her own hands. And out loud, I swear to you, Patrick, I went, I love when people take things into their own hands. And then to myself, I was like, well, to a point, to a point. I just, (laughs) Vanessa, you have a lot to lose. Mm -hmm. We've been through this. But my initial reaction, which is probably horrible, I was like, oh, I love when people take things into their own hands.
1: No, I totally agree. She starts a fucking blog called Surviving Jason, and she does it to, like, find other victims. And this is such a smart idea. This is how these women and men who are his victims are going to come together and fucking solve this thing because they're not getting any help from anywhere else.
0: Right. And so everyone feels really, really validated that they're not alone. That was so helpful to all of them. You think when something like that is happening to you, I would assume like, how does this person have the time to do this to just me, let alone 50 or 100 other people?
1: And so we're back with Rachel and Rachel discovers Vanessa's blog and she like gets in touch with Vanessa. They become best friends. Vanessa's directing her to like various Facebook groups. Like there are all these online communities out there of people dealing with this guy because they can't get any real
0: help. Yeah, and they also say, like, it was kind of hard at first because people didn't believe that you weren't Jason. Right. So I was like, girl, it's not 1997. Just video chat with them. Hold up the newspaper. (laughs) What is this, catfish (laughs) where no one has a working camera? I know.
3: I know. And it was then that Rachel learned something else about Jason. Jason Hughes was actually married to a woman named Amy. But that wasn't the part that sent a chill up Rachel's spine.
2: Soon after I connected with a lot of the other victims uh, through the surviving Jason Tumblr, I discovered that Jason was in fact living about 15 minutes away from me in Austin.
1: His online threats are now very possibly could be real world threats because he lives a block away.
0: So it's 2013. Rachel is home. Her daughter is six months old. She gets a visit from arson investigators
2: asking her about a car that she may or may not have set on fire in Austin. (laughs) So the arson investigators told me that the gentleman who was reporting the fire was named Juan, and that when Juan had been asked who might be responsible for this arson that he had given them a list of potential perpetrators, including myself.
0: Not only did he report the fire, but he gave the cops a very long list of enemies who might have been responsible and your name's on that list. Right. And she's like, I have a screaming baby. Like, I don't have... What? Obviously, Juan is Jason, right? Because at yeah. the same time, Jason emails Vanessa and accuses her of blowing up the car. But dummy, he uses his own email to which Billy says, it was an email Vanessa knew all too well. And I'm like, William Elizabeth, is that a Taylor Swift reference? Yes or no? DM me. Text me.
1: But then... And Vanessa immediately calls the fire marshal, and the fire marshal was like, girl, I was just picking up the phone to call you. I
0: have that in my notes, girl. I was
1: just calling you. You're on my list. You're a suspect. Oh, my God. The only person less likely than me to set a car on fire is Vanessa. Although, now that I'm mentioning it, I can see myself setting a car on fire in the right circumstance.
0: I have seen you uh-huh. dead sober in the subway not having service, and you. I can feel you wanting to rip your skin off. Why don't I just have service? all the time I don't understand what year is it why don't we have service down here on the fucking subway so yeah I could see you set your car on fire if the moon struck you
1: you guys quick detour because it's a good story I haven't told in a while one time when Daisy was three or four I picked her up from daycare and I had her on my chest I was wearing one of those baby Bjorns and I leaned into the tunnel to see if the train was coming and in this dead silent train station full of hundreds of people my four year old screams at the top of her lungs where's the fucking train smile And I was so horrified until I realized I had just said that under my breath, basically <laughs> into her ears. And Daisy goes, where's
7: the fucking
0: train? If you are born and raised in New York or at four and you're not I demanding where the fucking I train don't. is, get out of here. Move to Jersey, you know? <laughs> So the fire marshal sends over the brand spanking new cyber crimes unit that was just formed in 2013. I have in my notes, Spencer Chow, Austin detective, comma, and believer of victims. Thank you, Spencer.
6: I felt shocked when I realized it wasn't two women, three women, four. It was like 30, 40 or more. He is one of the most dangerous people I've ever had to investigate. I thought this guy was nuts. How does he find hours and hours and hours to research where this person moved to where this person now works his life was pretty much causing torment to others
1: where does he find the fucking hours in the day to research where these people have moved to, where they work, what their home fucking addresses are? Like, he clearly doesn't work or whatever. Like, his entire full time job is just torturing these people.
0: Right. And the torture is inflicting serious emotional and psychological damage to these people. Like, yeah. that can't be unsaid.
1: Chow's whole mission. So he's in this newly formed cybercrimes unit, but like, cybercrimes aren't even crimes, is what he's saying. He's like, I had this job, and my first mission was to convince the powers that be that this kind of stalking is a crime. Like, at the point where Chow was involved, it was a very low-level misdemeanor. And it was just like, nobody knew what cyber stalking was. Nobody cared to look into it. Nobody believed these victims. So it was just like, even if he could prove that this guy was doing these things, there's not a punishment for it.
0: Yeah, even the DA says, look, Spence, it's disturbing. It's wrong. But unfortunately, there are no laws on the books. So bye! (laughs) Like, we can't fix it. We just say like, oh, well, just like wipe our hands and we're done with it. And he even says, he's like,
6: I came to the conclusion that he must just live and breathe torment. The guy seemed very elusive. From the reports, he was moving around a lot. That was the thing that really stood out to me. And what makes him dangerous is the fact that no one really took him seriously. (laughs) He
1: said what made him dangerous is that nobody took his actions seriously, and he was just good at hiding. And Chow knows he's never going to stop. He's incredibly dangerous, and there's, like, no way of stopping him.
0: But they do track him down. They track Jason down. And so what they learn from all the victims is that he talks about drugs all the time. So the advice from the victims was, like, bust into his house, you'll find drugs, bada bing, bada boom. At least we get him on something, right? The cops are going to do that. But for some reason— they this told is all of the victims the time and the date of the surprise drug bust. They told all 58 of them. And someone, to brag about it, was like, oh, Jason, like your days are numbered, tells Jason about the drug bust, and Jason bails, and this goes nowhere. And on top of that, now Jason knows they're all onto him, which makes I would be terrified I know. if he knew that I was working with the cops to bring him down.
1: And then five, six, seven, eight, you guys, we fucking meet Jason's mother, Cynthia. She is a wreck. (laughs)
0: She is a nightmare. Like, she's a a bad person, and I'm going to say it. I think she sucks. (laughs) She's not to blame. She's horrible, and Jason's horrible. They're horrible together, but, like, God, does Cynthia suck.
2: I gave birth to Jason in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Ten months after he was born, I married his father, who was uh, 11 years older than I was. How was he with Jason? He loved him. He played with him and was dad to him. Until I got the divorce, and then it wasn't his kid anyway. It's his attitude. They get divorced, and that
1: guy wants nothing to do with him. So that's like his first big rejection.
0: Yeah, fuck that. I don't care. And <laughs> Cynthia remarries, and then we get like Heather and Eric, the half siblings. I have words for Heather in a minute too. Oh, but... I kind
1: of like Heather. Nope,
0: absolutely okay, not. So. Okay. And I'll tell you why. I'm going to be very, very honest about it. But Cynthia, his mother, oh, he had a 180 IQ at five years old. He was at a ninth grade level. Shut up. (laughs) So Cynthia is a single mom. She's in her 20s and she's raising three kids. She's like, wow, this is really hard. My choices are hard. Her sister says, hey, why don't you put all three of them up for adoption? Who needs them? Just get rid of them. Am I right? And she does. I know. And like, I know it's very
1: easy to judge that. And, like, the whole fucking family falls apart because of it. Like, she's crying talking about it, and she's very sad the look on your face is no forgiveness.
0: <laughs> but, because it's not, because what happens is, all of the kids, the three kids, go to three separate homes and families, but Jason goes to Cynthia's sister, right? Yeah. And then Heather and, the, and Eric go to two other different families. So Cynthia's yeah. here with the crocodile tears. It killed her to give him up. It was the I best know. thing for them. But then, 18 months later, Jason is such a nightmare his aunt couldn't handle it she goes that was the worst advice I ever gave you brings him back to Cynthia we don't really know why I know Cynthia just keeps talking about how fucking smart he was he was a computer programmer at 12 and he was brilliant beyond words I don't care
1: I know, I know. And, like, he's getting bullied in school. I was bullied in school, too. I am not making any excuses for this kid. I just think it's interesting context. And he becomes obsessed with computers. It's even before the internet. He's still spending, like, 12 hours a day on the fucking computer. And then breaks it to his mother that he's in a relationship with some girl in Kansas that he's been pen pals with since they were four.
4: At what point do you become aware of Jason's pen pal? And how old was Jason?
2: 16, 17 years old. He told me that he wanted to go meet her. And would I take him to meet her? And I said, yeah, I'll take you down if it's all right with her.
4: Several weeks later, when Cynthia asks her son about it again, she gets a very different response.
2: He said, no, we aren't writing anymore. And that was it. He was heartbroken.
0: Jason's like never mind Uh, she broke my heart it's not gonna happen no 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 here's what happened the pen pal who we don't meet she was like no this dude was fucking creepy he was writing to me about cannibalism and all this weird shit I tried to break it off for years they weren't pen pals he was harassing her through the mail she had to move out of the country? Uh, we don't get any more I, information. I, what 17-year-old is just skipping town and leaving the country? I know. And then we just get, you know, like, the, the childhood made him hate rejection. Because we hear even even from his victims, if you reject anything at all, even his choice in books, esoteric texts, he would, like, make a hate sign about you, right? Yeah. So, But then, like, Cynthia, his mom, was like, well, I guess maybe he considered some of my absences in his life as a rejection. Cynthia, you did reject him. I know. It's exhausting. Like, don't make your shit my shit. Handle your shit and keep me out of it.
1: But also, like, Jason is also mentally unwell. You know what I mean? We're making excuses for this person as though he doesn't have, like, serious issues that needed to 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 have been addressed.
0: Stop being a dick. But then, this is why I have words for Heather.
1: So Heather's the sister. The half-sister. And she says, she's the half-sister, and she says, like, we had a really hard life. She goes, you can't take three siblings at seven, three, and one, and split them apart and expect there not to be chaos. It doesn't work that way. She's absolutely right about that. She was fucked from the beginning.
0: Cynthia is trash. I will die on that hill. But now Heather is crying and saying,
2: (laughs) my brother would turn on you if he considered you stupid. And he, he did it with his words. He might scream and yell at you, but... Normally, it's because you didn't understand something that he was trying to tell you and explain to you, and you were so daft that you didn't get it, and that would set him off. He was always an ass. He just was, you know, he'd get spiteful, you know, and get back at you. Don't get me wrong. I love him. but He's mean.
0: Look, my brother is mean, and he's vicious, and he's a nightmare, and he's spiteful. I love him. Don't get me wrong, but he's super mean. Yeah. Um. No, I have people in my family who I do not love at all. I don't give a fuck. I say that with confidence. They are mean, vicious people. I have no love in my heart and my soul for them. So I don't know why people feel to say, no, no, I love him. He's my brother. I love him, but he's like vicious and mean and horrible. No, if you feel that way, you're allowed to feel that way.
1: I know you don't smoke, but you look like you need a cigarette. <laughs> I mean. I know. Uh... But then we meet the other brother, Eric. Eric was separated from the family when he was one he didn't reunite with jason until 1995 when he was 18 and jason was 23 and they moved together to seattle that's like obviously like the around the time that travis met jason is when jason was living with his brother eric and eric tells us like
5: we were living there i was we were splitting rent we both had jobs and my girlfriend got pregnant and when he found out i was leaving he got mad at me because he thought i was abandoning him He told me straight to my face, I'm never speaking to you again. And then he never did.
1: We got pregnant and we decided to like move out and move in together. And fucking Jason's like, I will never speak to you again. And (laughs) he doesn't.
0: Eric got the better part of the deal. Bye. (laughs) What do you have to do to get this guy to not talk to you again? (laughs) Vanessa and Rachel (laughs) and Travis would love to know. (laughs) It's true. And then there's this whole thing like Jason has a girlfriend and she gets pregnant and unfortunately she loses the baby and he's devastated and he blamed her for it. But Cynthia, the mother, was living with Jason and the girlfriend and Cynthia made it a fucking living hell to be there because Cynthia's trash.
1: The thing that we learn is that Cynthia and the girlfriend, Vanessa, this is a different Vanessa, you guys. This is not the Vanessa we've been talking about the whole time. Cynthia and Vanessa hated each other. And I was like, I want that documentary. What was the bad blood between Cynthia and Vanessa?
0: (laughs) Oh, I promise you it was that the girlfriend wasn't good enough for her trash son. She enabled him ever he's a genius, uh-huh. the delicate genius, all that. i can Can you imagine spending two seconds with Cynthia? Honestly? No, come on my
1: favorite part of the whole thing is when it cuts back to Cynthia, who's talking to Alexis, and she's like, he hates me.
2: I'm telling you. he hates me virulently. He hates me virulently.
0: (laughs) And then it's like, it's back to Heather and I'm like, Heather, shut up because she's like, when you look at his childhood, you can see how he can learn to hate women. Excuse me because then we get Billy and Alexis in the car and Alexis, thank God, the voice of reason is like, Heather. Heather. No, 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 no. There are plenty of people who've had worse childhoods who made better decisions and I'm like, Alexis, this is why I love you. You look great in that outfit and you say things like that.
1: Amazing. So we cut to 2017. Rachel's at work. She gets Called the FBI's
3: fucking here to see her, girl.
0: It's the story from the beginning where she's like, fucking finally.
3: Turns out, the key to the FBI finding Jason went all the way back to his very first victim, that childhood pen pal. In 2015, after a 20-year silence, Jason started sending her threatening emails again. But this time, his messages were directed towards the young children at the school where she worked.
4: One of the emails was connected to a website it was registered to one Michael Nath
0: it's 2017 they found Jason he's in Staten Island he's been of course sending threatening emails to school kids but they caught uh-huh. him because he was stealing his neighbor's internet like Wait. this guy in and, and Staten Island because of course so Rachel Rachel loves this Rachel's like he is such a loser I am living my best life he is I know. living a horrible life he's stealing his internet in Staten Island like just the fact that know. she knows like she saw a picture of him she's like look I don't like to hate on people's looks but I'm doing amazing he is not and that's like kind of good enough for her in this moment. Of course, she wants him to rot in prison forever. We
1: see him, like, he's arraigned and there's a picture of him that's on the cover of the New York Post. Vanessa has a friend send the post by mail to her in Texas and she says there's a picture of her on her Instagram holding it up and smiling. And they show it. She looks so happy. So
0: he's indicted five counts. Each count is a subject line because this guy would send the same thing to everyone. Like, 80 people got that owl poem or whatever. Uh So his lawyers are pulling what Rachel is calling legal shenanigans. shenanigans. It's just a lot of pleas <laughs> and motions, stalling tactics. They're just trying uh-huh. to, you know, drag it. And, like, they're arguing that the emails aren't actually threats. And the judge is like, I agree, especially that owl poem. It's a right. real <laughs> rip in good time. Like, the <laughs> owl poem specifically, he's like, that's not a threat at all. What's
1: everyone what so offended about. by? But, <laughs> like, it, the thing that sucks so much is that this fucking works. Like, Travis says he was just trying to run out time so that by the time he was actually sentenced he would get time served and he's been like on house arrest and like this is back from our our time with Detective Chow where it's like there aren't any real penalties for this kind of behavior and so in the end the lawyers all huddle up again they come up with a new deal he pleads guilty to one count of transmission of a threat to injure and like and everyone's screaming this is the most prolific cyber stalker of all fucking time and like everyone's hoping that like when he is sentenced the sentence will include that he can't get on the internet like that's what everyone's hoping is gonna happen
0: Billy doesn't even want him to be in the same room as a computer or a phone ever again. He's like, that is like the very minimum. But look, it wouldn't be an episode of Unraveled if Billy and Alexis aren't knock, knock, knocking on someone's door
2: in the middle of the oh day. My
4: God. It's time to find out if he's willing to answer some questions.
2: There's someone in the window, Billy. What's that? Someone
4: just came to the window. Really? The guy in the window now. Is it who? Yeah.
3: Uh, my name is Billy Jensen. This is Alexis Linkletter. We're working on a documentary on... His uh, plea and his sentencing. And we'd like to talk to him about um, some of the the crimes that he committed. And we really just want to know why.
0: Here we are in Staten (laughs) Island. Knock, knock, knock. And no one's answering. But people are peering at them from the window. And we see it. And I'm like, Alexis, behind you, behind you. And eventually she sees it. She's like, Billy, they're in the window staring at us. I... So someone <laughs> finally opens the door. It's oh not Jason. God. Billy does his whole shtick. Hey, William Elizabeth and Alexis, we have two <laughs> crime podcasts, blah, blah, blah. Rate and review us. And so some guy is like, hey, they want to do a doc about you know who. Know. And then we just hear a woman go, no. no. And then they're like, hey, Jason is a very private person, to which I say, are you kidding me? I and know. Billy's like, you know what? So they leave. They get no No information. But Billy, they're in the car and Billy's like, they're going to be looking out their window all day. And Alexis goes, good. His victims have been doing that for decades. (laughs) That's right. Oh, my God. So nothing really happens except Amy, the wife, emails production denying any wrongdoing. I'm like, Jason wrote those emails, right? There's no way Amy actually wrote them. By the end of this thing, he's not been sentenced, but you're saying he has been? What what did he get? Yes, December of 2021. His real name is Raymond Johnson, by the way. No. Um, But he was sentenced to 366 days in jail, plus three years of supervised release with special conditions, and he was fined $3,000. Not nearly enough of anything as far as Is he allowed concerned. to use the computer? The Staten Island Press or whatever did not include that in their oh write up, but, God. but yeah, I mean he could probably yeah, of course have a phone, but I mean special conditions, supervised yeah. release with special conditions. I'm sure that's very limited, probably supervised internet time. What do we have to do to have Billy and Alexis walk up to our door in the middle of the day? <laughs> Does it have to be a crime or can they just do a surprise visit popping? I I wonder. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God, you guys. We did unraveled Stalker's Web. William Elizabeth and Alexis, thank you for being such good sports. We fucking love you guys so much. Oh, we love you.
0: And this was wild. And also, can we change all the laws? Thank you. If we can't change them, can we at least make them? That would be really, really wonderful. This is why women are scared to say no sometimes because it doesn't fucking work.
1: Oh, my God. If you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon, you guys. over 300 full ad-free bonus episodes. To download a bitch right this second, everything from Tiger King and Lorena and the Menendez murders and Night Soccer And I'll be done in the the dark. the jinx. The jinx. Yeah. Lula Rich. Lula Rich. Every episode by episode documentary on any of the streaming services, we've covered them all. Join the Facebook group. Meet our mod, Sasha. She's incredible. She keeps the peace. What else, girl? Nothing. I love you. I've missed doing this. Oh, my God. I miss you so fucking much. What (laughs) are we doing next, you know?
0: We are doing... The 2020 episode, While He Was Sleeping, about Scott Filater and the sleepwalking defense back in the 90s. Holy shit. Wow. All right. It is wild. I am not a fan of Scott, in case anyone was wondering.
1: Amazing. So stay tuned for the trailer for that. Our funny, ridiculous, and hilarious outtakes. (laughs)
0: Uh, And I love you, girl. I love you. I think this might be an extended episode. We had a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was
1: a long, but you know what? It was long, (laughs) but fabulous. Worth it. Worth every
0: (laughs) second. We love you guys. Bye, everybody. We love you. Bye you have been behind bars ever since you killed your wife
5: are you kidding me sleepwalking
0: the trial was a sensation not because of the crime itself but because of scott the Later's defense he was sleepwalking. sleepwalking
6: sleepwalking like the plot of a science fiction movie
0: a lot of suspects might say no way you got the wrong guy scott just keeps saying i don't remember
3: Scott Felater, you know, made a statement, you know, I hope you don't think I'm a bad guy. You just killed your wife. That's pretty much the definition of a bad guy. I went to bed as a 12-year-old kid and I woke up to a police officer telling me that my mother died.
0: Horrible. I'm also, like, not a monster. It's been a while since we recorded. I'm
1: feeling great. I'm really amped up what if I wanted to have like a parakeet three-way like I'm never gonna do that I'm not that interesting sexually I just I just like the normal stuff
0: notice I didn't say stop sending me the pictures of you and Steve
1: (laughs) well she does live in Texas anything goes there
0: ugh and they were all (laughs) men you know that what'd you do Vanessa what'd you do come on (laughs) how'd you put it on yourself what were you wearing girl how short was the skirt come on now (laughs) totally
1: if you live in Texas and you're listening to this podcast we know you're not the problem we know it's not you
0: it's not you. If you're listening to this podcast, no, it's not you. In that great house with that great chair you love?
1: Uh, I lo- and the bookcase behind it? She decorated that room so nicely. Why do I have to be the only one to talk about it?
0: I'm here. I just said. <laughs> the nice chair.
1: Oh, oh, oh. We're in the car with Billy and Alexis, and Billy calls Jason diabolical.
0: <laughs> 13 cents to Keith, whatever his royalties are. Keith Morrison.